We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Sean Davis here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers. Apologies about the late stream. Uh, had a power outage and unfortunately had to start the stream late. Still filling in for Trevor Lane. Trevor uh, feeling a little sick, so I do apologize about that. And let's uh, let, let's smash that like button so that Trevor uh, feels better. Let's let's smash that like button and uh, let, let's have a fun time. And, may, and this also helps push the algorithm on, get the other Laker fans in here to uh, help also support Trevor and help Trevor get better. Uh, but yes, like I said, filling in for Trevor Lane. So I want to welcome you all in from YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Welcome. We're going to be taking your Facebook, uh, excuse me, your questions and comments throughout the night. Yes, this is Car Real to Sean. And I'm hoping that we don't have too many Seanisms throughout the night, but We'll see, and it's going to be a fun night. Uh, let's start off with the first Super Chat already. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Legend says, when is Media Day? Also, Biombo signing. So, Media Day has been announced. It's going to be next Monday, October 2nd. Uh, it's going to be, I want to say, 11 a.m. Pacific to 1 p.m. Pacific. So, two-hour-long Media Day. We'll have you covered here, here at LakersNation.com with all the latest news and reactions from media day. Uh, I want to say that Rob Palenka and Darvin Ham are going to have a press conference this Friday. Uh, they're going to have a, a press conference this Friday to also talk about this coming, se- uh, this upcoming season. So we'll have more than one opportunity to get to hear some things from Darvin Ham and from Rob Polinka. Uh, ooh, this is a really good question. Legend asks, once again, what is D'Lo's role in this squad? Well, first off, when you talk about D'Angelo Russell, I think D'Lo, we're going to need D'Angelo Russell to really be able to get back to what he was on pull-up threes in Minnesota, right? I want to say D'Angelo Russell shot 39% uh, on pull-up threes in uh, in Minnesota, even at the beginning of the year, he was he shot 39% from three on pull-up threes in Minnesota. 
that just adds another X factor, if you will, to your ball screen offense. If you have a guy that's a legitimate pull-up threat and essentially you just put another Dennis Schroeder out there on the floor. I don't want to get disrespectful to D'Angelo Russell, but D'Lo only shot, I want to say 32% on pull-up threes as a Laker last season. So what we're going to need D'Lo to be able to, to get back to shooting close to 40%, hell, like 37% even. It can't be closer to 30% like it was last year because Gabe Vincent's also kind of unpredictable, if you will, with this, uh, with this shot. Austin is all, I don't really have too much concern with Austin, but if you want to add another pick and roll player to your offense, and I've seen a lot of discourse surrounding D'Angelo Russell fans, especially saying, oh, Darvin Ham just stuck him in the corner. Well, yeah, I'd probably stick him in the corner too if he shot 32% on pull-ups and close to 40% on catch and shoot threes. Like, that's just smart basketball. Like, so I don't know. I, I would... We need D'Lo to get back to being D'Angelo Russell for consistently from three. Um, and I'm I'm hoping that we do do that. I hope that we can get to that point. Arthur sends it a super chat. Appreciate you. Uh, he shot well from three from the Lakers. As a matter of fact, here, I'll pull up the data for you guys right now. D'Angelo Russell, last season for the Lakers. Well, in the playoffs, the numbers are... Unfortunately, definitely lower. In the playoffs, D'Angelo Russell, oh, we could just go regular season. And he only played 17 games for some reason. I thought he played in more. He did get hurt. He shot 41% from three in the regular season as Laker. Yes, that is true. But like I said, if you go to like the catch and shoot data and the pull-up data, then that number drops significantly or like the number that really matters drops a little bit so let's go if you go to d'angelo russell's numbers in minnesota this season like i mentioned let's see d'angelo russell pull up threes 38 in minnesota on 167 attempts d'angelo russell minnesota 39 from three on catch and shoot looks 230 attempts okay now Let's go to the Lakers and what D'Angelo Russell shot. Then this number, the catch and shoot number is going to be close to the same. It's like I said, it's going to be the pull up three data. It's going to be a little bit off regular season. Oh, okay. Well, it's even better in the, in the regular season. D'Angelo Russell shot 36% on pull up threes, but he shot 47.4% on catch and shoot threes. If you want to combine both the regular season and playoffs, that's where you get that 32% number. 32% on pull-up threes on 86 attempts. And then this is including the playoffs, and he still shot 39% on catch-and-shoot looks. And that is what uh, we need Anthony Davis, uh, excuse me, D'Angelo Russell to be on, on pull-up threes as well. That's what we need. Um. I, for some reason, just glanced over the Bismack Biombo signing question. Um, I'm a fan of bringing Bismack in, especially if it's like a non-guaranteed deal. I'm even more of a fan of it then. Just gives you another big body in theory in the paint um, that is that drop coverage, kind of rim-protecting big that a lot of people wanted to see out of like JaVale McGee, but ironically, 
Bismack is better at. So I would be interested in it. I'm curious why he's still out there. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would be really, really intrigued by, uh, bringing in Bismack Biombo. Like I said, I wanted us to sign Bismack Biombo if we couldn't get Christian Wood. So why not get both? And I, I hope we can for sure. Uh, let's see. Richard Lee says, I think AD will win defense player of the year and LeBron wins finals MVP. So we're going, we're going to what it should have been in the 2020 season, huh? With the AD defensive player of the year and LeBron finals MVP. Yeah, we're going that route, but I, I think it's possible. Anthony Davis obviously has to meet the benchmark of 65 games, which is insane because the benchmark should be minutes in my opinion. And considering that a lot of the, more advanced metrics we're kind of going based off of like minutes requirements instead of you know games right because you could play games but if i'm playing 15 minutes a night i don't know 15 times what 65 i, I don't know off the top of my head like that's only that's not even a thousand minutes right but i play 35 minutes a night but i play 55 games that's almost 2000 minutes but the guy that played 15 minutes a game is going to qualify for these awards. I don't know. I, I hate how they kind of did that. You probably, I probably would have just did like a 1700 minute requirement personally, but that's, that's, that's too smart, I guess. But Anthony Davis, if he's healthy, he's the best defensive player on the planet. And I think this is the year he finally wins it. If he is healthy, if he's not healthy. That's a bummer because, or if he's not healthy enough to play 65 games, that's a bummer because one of the greatest defensive players of this generation is going to miss out on another defensive player of the year. So that is a bummer. Uh, D'Lo and Austin look so good together. And people forget at one point D'Lo and AD pick and roll was the best tandem in the NBA. I won't go as far as to say it was the best tandem in the NBA, but they had such good chemistry for, two dudes that played with each other for three months, even in the playoffs, like that Memphis series, those two had a really nice connection. When teams started to ice, it got a little bit worse, obviously like Golden State, their ball screen chemistry just wasn't there quite as much as you would have hoped for. Um, but in Memphis, they had great chemistry. Like I, I mean, immediately I, I think of game six, uh, D'Lo throwing the lobs to, to AD, things of that nature. But they did have really, really good chemistry. And that's why, like, Austin and Christian Wood's going to be so fun. That's why D'Lo and Christian Wood's going to be so fun. Uh, D'Lo leaves a little bit of the meat on the bone as a playmaker because he's not the best finisher and he's not the best at getting to the rim. But you give him a true lob threat in Anthony Davis and you are cooking. You're cooking there. Uh, can it be a clean fit? This is from Legend. Can it be a clean fit with with a proper three and D two instead of D'Lo? So, like, are you asking like if if it's Austin, say that I don't know Max Christie develops properly, and then you do I don't know Austin Max LeBron AD and I don't know insert fifth starter. Is that what we're talking about potentially? I mean, sure, in theory, uh, if you're sold on Austin Reeves being 
the point guard, then yeah, sure. I, I think it can absolutely work. Um, Cause I think Austin, I think right now this might be a hot take and based off of my interactions with D'Angelo Russell fans or just, you know, fans on Twitter in general. Uh, I think that Austin Reese is the better playmaker. I think Austin is the better defender, obviously as well. So there's definitely some areas where I think the Lakers kind of get better at um, and defense is one of them. Right. And, I'm not saying that it's Max, but I'm like thinking of a guy like Max, right? Um, that's a true three and D. You add more floor spacing, which I mean, like in a spot up sense, because you have D'Lo still who can space the floor. Um, and you're just saying here, Austin run the show, Braun run the show. You got AD. We're going to be good defensively. Yeah, that could work. That could work a lot. And that's kind of how these LeBron James teams have won championships in the past. So, yeah. Absolutely could work. KCP, good examples. Like Austin Reeves, KCP, Braun, Vando, AD. Yeah, that team can win. Yeah, 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 that team can win. Oh, boy. I knew this was going to come up as soon as I said he's not an elite playmaker. Okay. What do you mean? As some active chucks in the chat. What do you mean D'Lo is not an elite playmaker? Three to one assist to turnover ratio. That's elite as it gets. All right, I'm going to take a deep breath, so follow me here. First off, there are only like five elite of the elite playmakers in the NBA. This is tier one playmaker in the NBA. That's LeBron James, that's Nikola Jokic, Luka Dantich, Trey Young, and Tyrese Halliburton. That is, yeah, that's tier one. Tier one, there's a couple of guys that are like on the fringe, right? And I, I know what you're going to say, right? Well, what about like for example, Trey Young does he has he turns over the ball a little bit more than you like. LeBron's assist numbers weren't as high as they were last year, et cetera, et cetera, right? But in terms of like pure impact and in terms of they can throw any pass on the floor, they get to the rim, right? And if you can't get to the rim, that just limits your playmaking ability. Think of like Tyus Jones, who's a really good playmaker, especially if you want to go like assist to turnover stuff. But but Chris Paul at this stage of his career is like probably high end tier two. If you want to put Chris Paul tier one, I don't care. But like, just follow me for point of the exercise, right? Tyus Jones is a really good playmaker, right? Especially if you want to go like assisted turnover stuff. But Tyus Jones can't get to the rim. And, and the, the most efficient shot in basketball is a shot off of a paint touch, meaning a like a layup at the rim. A driving kick, meaning I get to the to the rim in the teeth of the defense, kick out corner, kick out opposite wing, knock down the three. That's the most that is the best shot in basketball right now, right? And if you can't get to the rim efficiently and consistently, rather, then you can't be a tier one or tier two playmaker off the jump. I think LaMelo Ball is a tier two playmaker. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is the same level playmaker as LaMelo Ball. And I'm not knocking D'Lo. Like, he's a great, he's a really, really good playmaker, right? I think Austin is in the same tier. And I think the only reason why Austin is in a tier above D'Angelo Russell right now is because Austin doesn't have the volume yet. But this is kind of the thing we've been saying with Austin, right? With Austin as a player, as an offensive player, um, that if Austin Reeves 
is as consistent and efficient with increased volume, then he's there, right? Um, and that's why I think Austin Reeves gets the rim in a higher clip than uh, D'Angelo Russell. He there's not really a coverage you could throw out at Austin Reeves. It's gonna like slow him down, and he can make that second level high end read that also, like I said, the tier one guards are like tier one playmakers make. And even some of the elite tier two guys make. So I'm not knocking D'Angelo Russell, but I'm just going off the film. I'm going off some of the analytics as well. He's a really, really good playmaker. They're in the same tier, Mike, but Austin can be tier two. They're in the same tier. It's just Austin's above D'Lo in the tier. In my eyes, if you want to argue D'Lo's ahead of uh, Austin, I don't care because they're in the same tier. And that's kind of how I view tiers. Any player in that tier I don't really care. Um, Players in separate tiers, I'm kind of more strict on that. And maybe that's how tiers go in general. So maybe I'm not like inventing something there. Uh, More exciting, media day or free agency? Honestly, media day. Because media day means we're that much closer. Um, Like I said, media day is October 2nd. We get a press conference from Darvin Ham and from Rob Palenka on Friday. And... Yeah, free uh, free agency starts. I'm mean, not free agency. Preseason basketball starts next Friday, right? Uh, let me see. I want to say uh, preseason basketball starts. Ah, it's next Saturday. I've been saying next Friday the whole time, but next Saturday, eight thirty p.m. Pacific time against the Golden State Warriors. Gonna be a lot of fun. Gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, man, I can't wait. Uh, Jonathan, yeah, Austin isn't here too yet. He's still got to prove it. Yep, exactly. Um, Yeah, I mean, that, that that's really what it is. Like I said, just increased volume from Austin Reeves, and I'm kind of there. And, he'll, and by tier two, he could be, like, at the bottom of tier two. I'm not saying, like, shoot him up to being a top eight playmaker, but he, he'll be there. Uh, like Devin Booker. Uh, what are we talking about with Devin Booker? Let me think. Top ten playmakers. Uh, those five. Uh, Scoot might be their day one. Like top ten to fifteen. Uh, Chris Paul is still there. Steph's got to be near the top. Lamelo's got to be near the top. Currently. Huh. I don't know. Maybe I should sit down and think about this a little bit more. Jimmy, Jimmy's up there. Jokic is in tier one. Jokic is, he's firmly, he is firmly in tier one. Kyrie, as a playmaker, is honestly probably same tier as, like, he's probably tier three. All right. Playmaker, not passer. There's a difference. Elaine, I hope I pronounced your name right. There's a difference between passer and playmaker. Is Morant Morant's top of tier two? That's a good one. I forgot about Ja. Ja's top of tier two. LeBron's in tier one. Ja might be tier one. I might be sleeping on Ja. Ja might be tier one. Uh, okay. Well, shoot, we're at like eight now. Here, let me see really quick. Chat, give me two more. Scoot is like top fifteen for sure. Scoot's tier two. Uh, okay, we can throw Ja. 
Huh. I'm running out of guys off the top of my head. De'Aaron Harden. Harden's another guy. I forgot about Harden. Harden's Harden's like tier two. Dame's tier two. Dame's good. He's not tier one. Dom is not. Dom is like tier three. Darius Garland. There we go. There's another point guard. He's tier two. There we go. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, John Morant is the most rim-pressuring guard out there with elite passing. Like, at this stage of the career, I don't think Chris Paul is Tier 1 at this phase. Bronson's, like, Tier 3. All right, we're, 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 going, we're going through here. We're having a ton of fun. Uh, anyone's going to say Ross. All right, Mission 86 performance. I get D'Lo's up and ups it. Uh, yeah. I get D'Lo has ups and downs. But I do not get the hate. I'm a Lakers fan first, but I've been behind him since we drafted him, and that's not changing. We got a good squad this year. Let's just do this. Yeah, I'm behind you, Mission 86. Let's just do this thing already, right? I mean, I I hope the D'Angelo Russell, uh, I, I hope D'Angelo Russell comes out and drops 40 a game this year, right? Um. Because ultimately, I'm not even a D'Lo hater, right? But, you know, I'm, I guess, lower on D'Angelo Russell, right? But obviously, if D'Angelo Russell plays well, that ends up well for my team, right? Because I'm a Laker fan at the end of the day. So, like you said, let's just do this thing and pray that D'Lo plays well. And I, I will add on to that point that I think the sentiment around D'Lo is kind of weird because I think he shouldn't be this polarizing as a basketball player. As Elaine says right here, and again, I hope I'm not botching your name. He says, D'Lo is who he is, been the same for years now. Sorry, been the same for years now. Yeah, he's a good player. He's not great. If you say he's great, then I'm going to argue with you. If you say he's bad, I'm going to argue with you. He's a good starting point guard that you got for $17.5 million. I'm not complaining. He is legitimately good. Nothing more, nothing less. And I'll tell you this much. I would much rather pay D'Angelo Russell $17 million than pay Fred VanVleet, who is not even that much better than D'Angelo Russell, $43 million, right? So... That is that 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 is that. Uh, retire my basketball card. Shrug. Uh, let's see. All right, let, let let's talk about this. Somebody puts in the chat about who should start, Rui or Vando. So let's talk about what should be the starting lineup come opening night. Again, we are actually I want to say directly a month out. Yep, a month away. I'm on the East Coast. It is December uh, 20. I keep saying, messing my dates. It is September 26. Excuse me. We are a month out from, actually a little less than a month out from opening night. Opening night is October 24th. Yeah, there we go. Um, Who should be the fifth starter? Assuming the starting five. Well, let's kind of just go through here, shall we? The three locks in the starting five right now are... LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. I think we know that. That's set in stone. That's just the three starters. Now you have two other ways you can go here. I think 
point guard, it's D'Angelo Russell's spot to lose. But like, if Gabe Vincent comes in and has this insane uh, performance in LeBron's minicamp, and he goes nuts in training camp, balls out in the preseason, and D'Lo just stinks up the joint. If all those things happen, okay, maybe Gabe Vincent has has a shot to start. But in terms of like locker room politics, just who's the better player, who's the better fit to start off the game, I think this is D'Angelo Russell's job to lose again, unless, unless all those things happen. So I'm going to go with D'Lo to start, right? So now you have three players in consideration for that fifth and final uh, starting spot. Is either A, Jared Vanderbilt, B, Rui Hachimura, or C, Christian Wood. You have three options. And for me, <laughs> Sean Davis, D'Lo hater, for th- uh, three, uh, like I said, Christian Wood. For me, I'm starting Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt is the guy that I'm starting out of that group for the reason being mainly that I think it makes the most sense. I think it maximizes Jared Vanderbilt the most if you start him rather than have him come off the bench. And the example that I've brought up a lot is – we play the Phoenix Suns, second game of the year. Would you rather have Jared Vanderbilt come off the bench and guarding a random dude? Or would you rather have Jared Vanderbilt, who is a top 10 perimeter isolation defender in the NBA right now, start the game off against the team's best perimeter isolation defender, i.e. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, etc., right? And I think Rui, he gets to come off the bench. Be that sixth man of the year guy. Just focus on go get 15 points and like six boards off the bench. Be that spark plug scoring microwave or microwavable scoring dude, if you will, off the bench, right? And you add a, an additional scoring punch to your bench. Christian Wood, I think it's not, I don't think he's going to start, at least not right away, right? But I think Christian Wood is going to get a ton of minutes. I would argue Christian Wood's actually. On most nights, some nights might even get more minutes than like Jared Vanderbilt, right? Because I think uh, Christian Wood will play minutes at the four. He'll play minutes at the five. He'll play next to Anthony Davis. So I I think they see a lot of potential in Christian Wood. So I think that he is going to play a ton, right? And I think Vando is at his best if you put him in a starting lineup with the playmakers as well as another piece I didn't throw out there, you add him to that starting five next to Austin, next to D'Lo, next to LeBron. Yeah, I think adding, throwing him out there next to the playmakers that could create shots for him, and if the one to two shots per half that he does have to take are as clean of a looks as they need to be, I think it makes the most sense playing him next to the starters, in my opinion. And defensively, I think that Jared Vanderbilt uh, is is maybe even primed for a big season. And it is all going to be potentially because of Christian Wood. And like I've talked about in recent videos, what Christian Wood might be able to do to help out the Lakers. And like Hybrid says here, Vando and his defense loses value if he's not in the starting five. I think I agree. I think I agree with that statement right there. But let's take a quick second and pause for a quick 
Shout out to our sponsor for today's live stream, and that is game time. And I mean, I was stressed out a couple of weeks ago trying to get tickets to the Bengals game here in Cincinnati, and I didn't know what to do. So I'm trying to find the best last minute prices and deals on tickets. And thankfully, I had uh, I, I had game time. Uh, game time is the the best place. For last-minute ticket deals, you can forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Guys. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Trust me on this one, guys. Game time is legit. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LakersNation for 20% off. I'm sorry, for $20 off your purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed man and once again guys i'll put the I'll put the promo code here on the stream i don't know why i didn't have this already loaded up so apologies there but seriously guys you guys are want to use game time i have i can show you guys my game time on my phone even if it'll let me but this is terrible podcasting but game time is legit i'm going to show you my my account right now on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Let's see. All right. So let, let's see. Last minute tickets. See, I can. And one of the best things about Game Time, guys, while I end this like kind of promotion, if you will, right? But the best time about best thing about Game uh, Game Time, they show you. I can see where I'm sitting at. So. If I'm going to this Bengals versus uh, Seahawks game in a couple of weeks, right? It shows you where I'm sitting at. You can use Apple Pay too for some reason. So not for some reason, but shout out to Game Time. They are great. I can go to a Bengals game even though I'm a Chargers fan. What the heck do we mean? <laughs> I'm not able to... I'm not able to go to a Bengals game, even though I'm a Chargers fan. I'm I, I'm in the city. Sheesh. If it was like a Chiefs game, then yeah, I'd be lying down, my, like lying across the room or whatever. That's a terrible analogy. There, there's another Seanism. Uh, Sean needs those Taylor Swift tickets. Yes, if I had game time back in Taylor Swift was actually here a few months ago. If I had game time a couple of months ago, I might be able to get those Taylor Swift tickets. I wish I was in LA. <laughs> uh, stat check. How many times has Sean said game time? Game time? Game time? Game time? There we go. All right. Uh, let's see what else we have in the chat. Some people are worried about Osiris regression. Well, let's talk about it. Sean, I, uh, this is from I Kill Giants, I suppose. Um, Sean, I have an eerie feeling that Austin Reeves will regress. What do you think? I hope he's the real deal. 
I I'm comfortable and I feel really, really good about the the foundation of what Austin Reeves is as a player, right? I, I feel really, really good about where we're at, where we're at with Austin Reeves. I think and this is I think there is a really a regression from Austin Reeves. I think the only way that it could be a regression is if the volume doesn't if the volume upticks and like over a full season the volume takes a takes a spike up and the efficiency takes a dramatic drop what i mean by dramatic drop is i'm talking let me pull up austin reeves data lap from last year because i'm talking about like dramatic drop i'm talking like insane like austin reeves in terms of points per possession, excuse me. In terms of points per possession, he was the Lakers' most efficient player last year. He the he was scoring at a one point one six one points per possession last year. That is for the season, right? Uh, that that's really really good. First off, right? One point one six one. That might be off, but anyway, Austin Reeves last year, right? On jump on jump shots, he shot. Austin's incredible. Last season on jumpers, he shot 43% on jumpers. 1.15 points per shot attempt. That's really, really good, right? Catch and shoot looks. 1.23 per shot attempt. That's really, really good. Austin Reeves shot 40.5% on catch on uh, pull-up threes. Insane. 40.8% on catch and shoot threes. This is regular season and postseason data combined. So if the numbers are a little off, if you like try to go look at ESPN, that's why. Um, Austin Reeves at the rim last season shot 66.7% on layups at the rim in total, 68.2% in total. Austin Reeves is really, really good. And I think that that's the only way that Austin Reeves regress, regresses in air quotes, right? Is if, the volume instead of him shooting, let me see how many pull up threes he shoot last season in total. Austin Reeves only shot 79 pull up threes, right? So let's say Austin Reeves shoot 140 pull up threes next season. That number goes from 40 and a half percent to 32 percent, right? That's the only way that I can you could say like he regresses, right? But he is a super high IQ basketball player that can create and play make from all three levels of the floor. Um, and I mean, I, I need to see Austin take more pull-up threes and be more aggressive getting his own shot off. But I, I'm fine with Austin Reeves as a player currently. And I think if he, like, the volume spikes upwards and and uh, the efficiency stays on a comparable path to where he takes 143s instead of being 40 and a half percent, it's 37 percent. Okay, cool. We know Austin Reeves is a like he can be an all-star. Not this year, because I think it's gonna be really, really hard next to Braun, next to AD, and all the all the guys he got, right? But in like two years, like post LeBron, 80s a little bit older. We, you know, who knows what the Lakers look like by then, right? And Austin Reeves can be an all-star. He can 100% be an all-star. Uh, that slide for the Super Chat. Aside from Braun and AD, how durable is the squad? Uh, I love you. Uh, thanks. That, that's life. That's life. 
I have durability questions. Uh, who do I have durability questions about? A lot of these guys are super young, too. Like, the guy that I guess I'm kind of concerned about with injuries is D'Lo, kind of. But, like, Austin's going to be healthy to where Austin's going to play, like, 65 games. Uh, hmm. Vando, I don't have a problem with. Torian Prince, if I recall, has, like, been able to stay healthy. Okay, he's had, I guess, some injury concerns recently. He only played in 54 games last year. But the year before that, he played in 69 games. He hasn't played 70-plus games technically since the 2017-2018 season. So I guess Torian Prince will be the guy I'm kind of concerned about. But I, uh, I'm i not really concerned about durability for any of these guys. Outside of outside of actually, yeah, those two, LeBron and Anthony Davis. So I I feel good. Yeah, rest of the squad's really, really young. This is another really, really good this is another really, really good reason of why Bano probably needs to start is because Reeves and Delo are it's not a good def- uh backcourt defense. So you throw Ruby in there, and yeah, AD's the best defensive player on the planet. But like, like the the defense, you need some like reliable defense out there. So, and I, I don't think you can expect that from LeBron in year twenty or year twenty one. Uh, some people are concerned about Austin Reese's post defense. I'd be concerned too if you're gonna let him go one on one by himself with a big the whole time, like we saw with Team USA. I'd be pretty upset and pretty concerned about that too, personally. Uh, would his injury history pause? Um, I'm sure Sean is ecstatic that the Chargers finally won. Yeah, I would have called off for the week if the Chargers had lost. So. Trevor, you're lucky. You're lucky the Chargers won. Uh, do you think our transition defense this year is going to be better? I hope so. It's kind of hard to like project transition defense, but I, I hope so. Like question mark? Like I, I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic. You got some younger legs in here. Year two with Darvin Ham. We'll we'll see how this works. I'm curious. How good were Milwaukee's? Like, was Milwaukee ever really, like, a bad transition defense when Darwin was there? I'm just going to try to look back to – let's go back to – I think his first year was the the title year for the Raptors. So, 18-19. Let's see. Transition defense, first year – oh, my God. Yeah, they're really good. Best in the league, 18-19. Top 10 nights of the bubble year. So the championship year for us. When they won the championship, the Bucks were in the 97th percentile. So best in the league again. This is the year they won the title. And then Darvin Ham's last year in Milwaukee. The Bucks, ooh, they took a big step off. Wow. What happened here? 
The Bucks went from consist. Okay, they took a big step off, by the way, from being like the best transition defense by a lot to being the eleventh best transition defense. And my camera uh, super blurry, so I'm sorry for those on the YouTube end. Um, but I don't know. That's if you want to be have any optimism. There you go. Like the Bucks always had really good transition defenses. They also had some freaks. Like they had. Uh, they had Giannis, who's a freak, just athletically. Brooke was great. Bobby was great. Drew Holiday is the second best guard defender in the NBA. I think Caruso's actually probably taking the crown from him. And Drew Holiday's starting to age a little bit too now, but I don't know. There is some optimism there, potentially, I guess, that they, they could be better. Uh, Sean, do you think LeBron and AD will improve their three-point shooting this year? Or do we assume the worst? I think LeBron improves. I just refuse to believe that LeBron James is that bad of a three-point shooter. Because if you look at LeBron last season, right? Let's look at LeBron James over the past few years, right? Because LeBron's, uh, LeBron's shooting data in the recent years have been a little weird, Right? So let's go back to last season. Last season, LeBron James, on catch-and-shoot looks, shot 31.8% from three. On pull-up threes, he shot 32.7% from three, right? Okay. Let's go back one more season. Let's go back to the 21-22 season, where in the regular season, LeBron James shot 34.4% on pull-up threes. He shot 37.3% on catch-and-shoot threes, but... Here's the kicker on open or like unguarded. I forget. I think unguarded is closest defender is more than three feet away. It's either more than three feet away or is more than six feet away. Uh, so the, the Russell Westbrook year, LeBron James shot 53.2% on catch and shoot on open catch and shoot threes, right? Insane. You go back to the year we lost to Phoenix, 36.5% from three. Overall, 36.4% on catch and shoot, 36.7% on pull-up. Let's go back to the championship year. LeBron James, 38.6% on pull-up threes. I mean, excuse me, on catch and shoot threes. LeBron James, 35% on pull-up threes. He shot 42% on open threes. So, like, I think there's enough data here to say that LeBron's not a bad shooter. I, I refuse to believe LeBron's a bad shooter. I think the injury really, really hindered him from the from the start, right? He, he was just I, I, he had a couple of injuries early in the year. He gets back, and then he has the, the big injury against Dallas, right? And he had like that a couple of really random games, like he had that Utah game late in the year where LeBron shot like eight for twelve from three. It was something weird. Um, and like unexpected where we were like, okay, LeBron's back from three. Right. And it was like psych kind of from LeBron. Right. Uh, in the playoffs, I, I don't have his playoff stats right, right in front of me currently, but he didn't shoot great during the playoffs either. Um, so my thoughts on LeBron shooting, I think he'll be just fine. If the foot's back to close to hundred percent, he'll be just fine. Um, you can really tell that he just didn't have the lift. And that's really where the shot got affected the most, which I'm praying we see LeBron get back to his mid-post fadeaway jumper bag. 
it really felt like we didn't see him uh, like shoot that a ton last year. It feels like we haven't seen the post fadeaway back since the year he got hurt initially. So the 2021 year, like, so I, I I'm really hoping that he shoots those mid range fadeaways a little bit more. The three point shot. I'm cautiously optimistic that it, it gets back to form and, yeah, I'm not trying to advertise LeBron as an elite shooter, but like, I don't think he's a bad one, which is what last year's stats would indicate. And that kind of goes hand to hand to another point I want to talk about that I did. I personally am not concerned about this team shooting, and I guess that's maybe one of the things you could say this. There's a weakness for this team, but personally, I'm not worried about the shooting. Because let's let's look at it really quick. Let's look at this team. You have LeBron James, who, like we already just said, we're cautiously optimistic about, gets back to form, right? That's one. D'Angelo Russell, even if he's the exact same D'Angelo Russell as last year for the Lakers, that kind of struggled on pull-up threes, especially in the playoffs. But overall, he's a really, really good shooter, right? Who, if he's at his best, is close to 40%. Uh, overall, he's at his actually, he wasn't at his best, and he still shot 40%. So, a 40% shooter in D'Angelo Russell, a 38 to 40% shooter guy in Austin Reeves. And then you add to this team, right? You have Christian Wood, great shooter, Max Christie, pretty sure he's a great shooter, uh, Torian Prince, he's shot like 38% for three straight years, great shooter. Um, that, that's fine, Rui Hachimura, even if he's not the best three-point shooter in NBA history, like he is in the playoffs, good shooter. That's six dudes that are going to play that are all capable shooters. And then I haven't even said uh, Gabe Vincent, who's kind of more of the variable guy, right? So you look at this Lakers roster, and I'm like, the only guys that I'm kind of concerned about shooting, like I'm for sure concerned about shooting about, is uh, I'm concerned about Jared Vanderbilt, which reports are that he's gotten better, but we'll see. But uh, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, I'm Jackson Hayes and Anthony Davis. And even if you want to say Jalen Hood Shafino, I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm more optimistic. I'm more optimistic about Jalen Hood Shafino's shot than others are. So you got 14 players and you got 10 for sure that could shoot. Maybe even 11? Like, I don't know. I'm not concerned about the shooting. I'm not saying we're going to have a top five three-point shooting team next year. But, like, if you want to classify shooting as a Laker weakness next year, I'm damn happy for shooting to be a weakness of this year's team. This isn't like last year's team or any of the years prior where I'm like, okay, the shooting can really cost the Lakers. Like, I think this is a good shooting team, like top 50, like above average in the NBA with variance to grow. Like Gabe Vincent shows he's like a 38% shooter. Okay. Like we're there. Jared Vanderbilt, 35% corner shooter. Okay. We're there. Right. So like, I'm stoked about the shooting, man. I am. I'm good. Shooting is not the problem for me. My problem is kind of the point of attack defense. I'm a little worried about that. Maybe some of the screen navigation stuff, but like I'm good. And even then, like I think the Lakers have, have ways. I want to end the show this way because I talked about this in the podcast, but I want to kind of reiterate it because there's a question about it. 
But like you look at the weaknesses on the, the weaknesses in air quotes, right? Like guard defense is probably the biggest one, actually. But again, I think you can negate that, right? So like I'm not worried about this. I promise you, we are. I'm good with this team. Unless this team like comes out the gate and shows like they don't care about basketball or something like that. I I I trust me, I don't have very many concerns about this team. I have the feeling about this team that I had about the championship team, where I felt really, really good about that championship team. And my thought heading into that year was if Anthony Davis and LeBron James are healthy, they're winning the, the championship this year. And I have the same feeling this year. If Anthony Davis and LeBron James are healthy, the Lakers are winning the championship. Say what you want about the Phoenix Suns. I could care less about Phoenix, personally. Phoenix has to show me, and I'm so glad we get Phoenix early in the year so I can kind of see it. But Phoenix has to show me. Um, Denver... Denver has the advantage right now because they're defending champs, but like, is Jamal Murray going to go stupid like he did last year? Is how much are they going to miss Bruce Brown? Right? Things of that nature. And maybe this is a really fair concern, right? I'm worried about a go to guy in the playoffs. Can LeBron still be that guy at his age? That is the biggest question mark about this team. Is LeBron James. Still the guy that in the playoffs don't care about October through early April. Is LeBron James the guy for 16 wins? Can he still be a top five player in the world? If the answer is yes, and there isn't really much to say, like there isn't enough evidence to confidently say no. So if that's the case, like, (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel really, really good about this team. Like I said, the same way I felt good about that championship team. And, yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know why we're, I don't know why Luca is being brought into the chat right now. Let's go, man. That's my raw raw speech before the season starts. Heck, yeah. That was fun. Uh... Yeah, LeBron just dropped just dropped 30 and a half two months ago. I feel good about this team. And again, if you guys don't like think I'm coming off as like knocking LeBron, no, I'm not. I'm actually saying that LeBron uh he hasn't shown any reason why he can't be that dude for 16 games. So I'm with you. But also, like LeBron dropped 30 and a half, and then the second half, yeah, I'm not gonna go down that 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 path and get just shredded in the comments. Like I'm already going to get shredded in the comments, but um, let's dive in here. Uh, Somebody, or you guys want to talk about Max Christie. Max Christie is like the perfect role player for LeBron, a guy that can legitimately be that guard defender and guard one through three. Really, really good screen navigator. Like I, I've said, I've had screen navigator questions with Gabe Vincent and and uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Max Christie's a good screen navigator. He's a good perimeter isolation dude. That all you're asking is to be like a connecting playmaker offensively, meaning like he can attack a closeout and make that ne- uh that next pass, or just finish at the rim and you know hit catch and shoot threes. Right. So I'm. 
I'm the biggest Max Christie fan. I, I was pounding the table for the Lakers to select Christian Wood last year. I'm sorry, not, not Christian Wood. Uh, Max Christie last year. Um, and he's super long, super lengthy. He added some of that play strength and some contact balance, too. We saw that in in uh, in Summer League. Um, and, again, it's only to be continued, I think, heading into next year. Um, one thing that I hope that we find out from Ham and, and Palinka come Friday and come uh, – or is it Thursday? Is it Thursday? Let's see. Okay, it is Friday. Um, that in, in the in the press, but uh, I I hope that you know we get to see an answer on how they feel about that backup two spot. Because, like I've said, I've kind of been under the impression that the backup two spot is Max Christie's job to lose. And I think that Cam Reddish is more aligned to get minutes as a three. So I'm curious to see about that. I also want to know what their plans are about Christian Christian Wood and how they're going to use Christian Wood next to Anthony Davis because I think he can really change this Lakers offense. So I'm so stoked about that. And I want to end this off with a great question from our from from Steve Patterson in the chat, bro period. How should we use Christian Wood? Offensively, Christian Wood, uh, let me see if I still have his data pulled up. Christian Wood last season was legitimately like one of the best screeners in the NBA in terms of just pick and pop ability, uh, even pick and roll ability. He has some like ability as a, as a lob threat. Um, if you want to go to Total Roman impact, 99th percentile in terms of total Roman impact. Um, he scored last season. If you want to look at stable pick and roll Roman points per possession, he was the best at it last year in the NBA. Um, he, he's he's really, really good in, in, in that avenue. Um, last year, he added kind of a post game for the first time. Where And what I mean by that is in years past, he wasn't a great post player last season on stable post up points per uh, points per possession. He shot uh, 0.98 points per possession. And I want to just fact check this really quick. So I'm going to go to a different site. But last year, he was like legitimately good as a post player. Uh, even better. Excuse me. Sorry. He was point one one uh, 1.440 in terms of pick and roll roll man points per possession last year post up points per possession christian wood was 1.068 points per possession um and like the, the catch and shoot ability obviously last season shot 40.7 percent on catch and shoot threes the only reason why his 38 percent from three number like drops is because he shot some threes off the dribble and some threes in early offense but Catch and shoot looks, which is where a lot of his threes are going to come from. He is elite in that avenue. He's going to open up the Lakers offense. We're going to be able to see some more five out elements. I think the Lakers wanted to run last season, but they weren't really able to because Vanthy Davis's inability to be a shooting threat. Um, and then defensively, I think the pairing of Christian Wood and Jared Vanderbilt defensively is really, really intriguing. And I would even go as 
far to say if you could somehow get a Christian Wood, Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt pairing or trio on the floor at the same time, or like Gabe Benson, maybe more real, realistic. It's like Gabe Benson, AD, and Christian Wood on the floor together, plus two other guys. You can kind of negate some of the problems that this team has in terms of ball screen navigation with Christian Wood. And I'm sorry, but with uh, Gabe Benson or Jared Vanderbilt. And also utilize Christian Wood in a way that makes sense for him and even Anthony Davis. You can hedge more this season. I do expect we'll see that. I hope somebody asks like some screen, uh, some scheme related question to Darvin Ham. But um, like I've explained in recent videos, like with hedging, you can now with Anthony Davis and Christian Wood on the floor together, you can have Christian Wood play weak side rim protector and let him beat things up at the rim where opposing players shot 7% worse at the rim of Christian Wood as the closest defender or Anthony Davis as a weak side rim protector, obviously, which we love to see where in the playoffs opposing players shot 16% worse than expected at the rim with Anthony Davis as the closest defender. So I'm super, super stoked to see this fit together with Christian Wood and Anthony Davis. Like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic about the fit. Um, and I can't, wait for laker basketball to be back laker nation how excited are you make sure you guys you let me know in the comments down below thank you guys so so much for tuning into this show hopefully my voice is getting better so you guys can uh uh it does sound as bad i'm a little subconscious about it but uh, i appreciate you guys for tuning in from youtube facebook and twitter make sure you guys go over to apple podcast spotify wherever you guys listen to podcasts give us a five-star rating and review Great way to help out the show. Got some fun stuff on the way, guys. But until next time, see ya and stay safe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready our foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com